How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Buddy's House of Horror Podcast. Again, today we have another episode from the archives. This episode is from January 17th, 2018. It's my interview with my good friend, Jesse DeFranco, of course, one of my very best friends from college. Worked on tons of projects together, and primarily the project we're going to be talking about today in this episode is our time together on Hell at Heathridge, of course, the 2013 horror film, which I worked on, Jesse worked on. Uh, Jenna Kramer, if you've listened to my episode with Jenna Kramer, she was on it as well and yeah this episode was just a really good time we also talk about all of his other projects that he was working on up until that point um like his film sick transit gloria and some other projects that he was a part of and yeah it was just a really good episode you guys and i hope that you enjoy it of course if you guys enjoy this show make sure you go over to youtube and subscribe to my channel i come out with new videos every single week um, and yeah, this is the first time this episode is available on these podcast streaming sites. So if you guys haven't subscribed to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to the show, make sure you go ahead and do that. It really helps me out a lot. And of course, if you would leave a rating and a review and help spread the word about the show, it would be so greatly appreciated. You guys, I really, really appreciate everything you guys do to help spread the word about the show. And yeah, if you go over on YouTube and you find this original video, um, from January 17th, 2018, if you were to give it a thumbs up and leave a comment on the video, it would be greatly appreciated. Just saying, hey, I, I gave it a listen. Um, yeah, it would really help me out a lot, and I really appreciate everything you guys do. Um, so yeah, without further ado, this is my interview with Jesse DeFranco, of course, one of the classic episodes of Two Nerds, a podcast. And yeah, enjoy the show. We interrupt your regularly scheduled programming to bring you a special presentation of Two Nerds, a podcast. Your home for everything movies, music, video games, and everything in between. With your hosts, Bunny the Bruiser and Dynamite, Jared Latching. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Two Nerds, a podcast. I'm Buddy the Bruiser. And I'm Dynamite, Jared. And Jared, today we have one of my close personal friends on the show. Yes, um, why don't you introduce him since yeah. he's your close personal well, friend and this is my first time ever seeing he's him a, ever. He's a writer and an actor and he's got a new film that has premiered and they're doing some encore screenings right now because it was so well received, they just had to bring it back. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Critically acclaimed. Jesse, how you doing, pal? I'm doing good. Thank you guys. It's great to be here. I'm uh I'm really happy to be here and talking about the film and, and talking with you guys. As, as Buddy said, we we go way back to the college days where we used to make uh, some other low-budget, great-quality films together. Yeah. <laughs> and now I see you taking off with the podcast, and it's, it's good to be here. Cool. So we'll get more into it later, but briefly, um, just kind of tell us how and where people can um, see your film. Yeah. Well, the film is called Sick Transit Gloria. Um, as Buddy said, I, I wrote the screenplay, and I'm also in the movie. Um, we premiered it last Saturday at Chiaga Lyric Theater Guild, which is in Chardon. Um, we, we played to a sold-out crowd, which is really cool. We didn't realize how, how big it was going to end up being, which was really awesome. And then Chiaga Lyric Theater Guild was nice enough to give us an encore screening um, to sort of build off of the uh, the good turnout we had. So Saturday, oh, I'm sorry, Sunday, January 21st, there will be an encore screening at 7 p.m. at Chiaga Theater Guild. For anyone who's interested, and uh, you can visit my Facebook page for 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 ticket information, or you could just go to the Jogaliri Theater Guild website, um, and they'll help you out there. But uh, yeah, the encore screening will be again Sunday, January twenty first at seven p.m. And 
we hope everybody can make it a uh, make it in there to check it out. Yeah. Um. So, what is the? Is there like? I know there's a Facebook page, but is there like a Twitter, or like anything that people can go follow? There's a, there's a Facebook page. There's also a website for it. Um, you can go to getthepicks.org/sicktransitgloria uh, and check it out that way. Um, as far as I know, I mean, if there is a Twitter page, I certainly am not running it. Um, as far as I know, <laughs> page. But I guess it's, since it's not me running the social media, I wouldn't be the best person to ask. So. Um, I'd say just visit the page, Facebook page to be safe. And if I find out more information that there's a Twitter and Instagram out there, I'll, I'll, make, <laughs> I'll do some investigating on that one. Cool. Um, <laughs> so where do you want to start with this? Do you want to start with the current project and work our way back? Or do you want to start from the beginning? Buddy, I want to hear what your beginning sounds like. I don't I start what from my the beginning. My beginning sounds like? <laughs> <laughs> you say start from the beginning. That sounds much more interesting. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Well, let's focus on your beginnings. When okay. did when did you first get started acting and wanted to do films and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean, I've done a little bit of acting since uh, since grade school. It's something I've always kind of had an interest in, but never really kind of full throttle, you know, put myself into. So I would I would take little acting classes now and then. Um, fifth grade, I remember doing like a, a play at like a at like a high school that my mom had had gotten me into that I auditioned for. It was like Peter Pan, and I was just sort of in the background. Um, but it, you know, even with that, I kind of learned that it was something that I loved more so than anything else that was going on in school, more so than any academics or or uh, sports or anything like that. So um, I, I kept pursuing it little by little. My mom signed me up for some classes. Um, high school, I took a ton of classes, but um, you know, to my own stupidity in high school, I never really wanted to be the theater kid. For some reason, at, at public high school, there's a little bit of a stigma of being the theater kid. So I never auditioned for the plays. I just kind of quietly took the classes and didn't talk about it too much and kind of held in the fact that this was like my greatest love ever. Um, so I did acting classes, took the film classes, learned more about movies, started realizing that I had a true love and passion for movies. Um, again, college, I started you know, taking classes in college, also getting involved in some workshops for some plays. Uh, to start studying that sort of aspect of acting a little bit more. Um, and then at Kent State, um, as you know, buddy, just to jump ahead a little bit, I mean, you guys did the the Helen Heathridge movie, which Buddy was a big part of. Um, I was sort of walking home from class one day in college, and I saw that there was uh, um, auditions for Helen Heathridge, which I knew nothing about. I just saw open casting call, and it said, you got to know a monologue, um, bring your resume, bring your headshots. And I was thinking like, I didn't have any resume or headshots, like, but I'll, you know, I, I love acting and I want to get more involved in this. I'll try to check it out. So I stopped by there. I, that's where I met buddy. Buddy was the casting director. He was sitting at a table. Um, and I said, I explained to him, yeah, I don't have a resume or headshots, but I'd love to try this out. And buddy's like, Oh yeah, here, here, here are the slides. I didn't know what slides were at that time. He's like, Check this out. You still don't know what that is. Slides. I, I, I still know. I still know. <laughs> He's writing screenplays and he doesn't know what some is. <laughs> It hasn't changed. But yeah, so I, I went in and Buddy gives me the characters and I was a little bit nervous and I was like reading the character descriptions and one the one that jumped out to me was was one that really did not fit me at all. It was written for like an overweight kid who was obsessed with eating and like uh, ta- the, the scene was all about how he overeats and stuff and I was sitting like a 135 pound college kid thinking, oh yeah, this, this guy sounds like me without reading the character in too much detail. So I, I go I go into the audition and buddy you're sitting there and the, and the cameraman's there and 
you guys are like, okay, go ahead and read the scene. And as I'm reading it, I realized how like not fit I am for this character at all. Like it just totally just backfires. So I'm thinking like, oh shit, like I'm, there's no way I'm going to get this. And this was a, this was a mistake. And then you got, then buddy, you, you remember when I came in that I said, I knew a monologue and you're like, oh, do you want to do that monologue? You know, which I'm surprised you even gave me the opportunity to keep going after that scene. I thought you'd just be like, all right, carry it on. So I was like, all right, yeah, I'd love to do a monologue. So I, I did a monologue that I had in my head from a class I took in high school where we had to do, we had to, one of our final was to do a monologue. And it was from the movie Accepted with Justin Long um, that I, for, for some reason, still was floating in my head. So I, I did that monologue and I, I must have done a decent job at it because after that is when Buddy said, oh, yeah, well, you know, we'll definitely give you a call. We hope to hear from you again. Um, so you did. You gave me a call. I ended up getting cast in Hell Heathridge. Um, it led to some other projects. The buddy and I worked worked on together. Um, Forty dollar film Ristretto, um, uh web series second time around. Um, but that kind of like that kind of just spitballed the uh, you know from there. Just kept doing more film stuff. Kept meeting more people. Um, got into writing. Um, kept acting. And, and yeah, that was that was sort of the beginning of it. You missed out a key point in the story. It was before it was before you met me, but you actually had an acting mentor. I'm acting mentor. Why is that? Why is that escaping me? Did, did you block this from your memory? An acting mentor. Did, did you not before? have? Did, I told you about this, right? That he was working with a legendary feline actor. <laughs> no, no, you never told me about this. You skipped out the whole thing about how Sprinkles was training you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a, I had a cat growing up named Sprinkles, and well, first of all, we had. My family and I would make, this is just me trying to do more film stuff, more acting stuff. We'd make like stupid short movies and put them on YouTube. And one of them was called On the Set with Sprinkles, which was our cat. And my brother's like running around in the headset saying like, oh, we're Sprinkles. She's going to be so late. We got we to get Sprinkles. And this is before you know who Sprinkles is. And he ends up, he goes to go into the dressing room and, and Sprinkles is sitting there and she's a cat. And he's like, oh, Sprinkles, I'm so sorry for interrupting you. And he closes the door. Um, but that the was like yeah. in the litter box, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny because remember my brother did an episode a second time round. He actually used that as his audition tape. Oh yeah, on the- <laughs> he, he played played the same character basically. Right. Yeah. So he second time around and on the set with sprinkles take place in the same universe. You guys had told me that someone needed to wear a headset, and I'm like, my brother wore a headset once for a movie. Maybe this would work for him. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, that video, and you're like, oh yeah, this is this is actually perfect. And got him. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us more about that make because you guys have the whole defran collection of all these short films yeah. you guys did uh That's i know called. i know there's a very notable one where you're playing poker with these children and, and essentially stealing all their money <laughs> yeah and i can't tell you where those ideas really came from like we we made a i don't know if you'd call it a you definitely would not call it a production company but you'd call it a just <laughs> <laughs> name that we went by which was collection it was me my brother and my cousin and whenever anyone had like a stupid idea of just something we should film we'd film it under that label um and put it on youtube and yeah one of the one of them was you know my cousin and i were like working together and uh and i invited him over for a poker game and he gets there and it's just me playing poker with like two kids and stealing all their money and the scenes kind of just like well, what are you doing you can't you can't play with these kids you're just you're just taking their money and it's like these dumb ideas that we probably just came up with like randomly that that would be fun to film um there's a couple on there where we would hear like taylor swift songs and somebody would dress up like taylor swift and just like reenact the music video um so yeah there's a few there's a few weird ones on there but it's, it's funny now to go back and look and say like 
this is where uh, this is where the love of uh, making stuff and writing kind of started with these stupid little movies. <laughs> We've all you, I, I de- I've definitely <laughs> been there. What with uh, George, uh, George's YouTube channel, there's still videos there of just like Bigfoot and homeless. Yeah, people. Bigfoot and the and the homeless. What was the one? He's got like a few thousand hits, or maybe even more than that, on um. God, what's the name of the video? Freaking crack horror or something like that. I don't even know, but they're all just they're all just dressed up as um damn, I'm not I'm not in this one. I was very politically correct and sound at the time. I was going to make the crack horror video, but um they're all dressed up like women. I think they got their shirts all rolled up and like they're their chest area stuff. This might the... come a little full circle, but I'll let you finish your story because I just thought of, <laughs> I thought of something in my head just now. But keep going. And uh, I mean that's basically it. And there's um, they're just kind of doing the whole thing. And it's, who who was in this video? It's uh, George, Colin, our old friend uh, Eddie Justice, my sister Julia's in this one, and uh, Mike English. You you probably that's only a... know George and Colin and my sister. I know Mike. Oh, okay. Fans. But I was hoping you were going to say Dave Jones was in this. No, he wasn't. Because no, no, no. Jesse was just in a short with Dave Jones, right? Dave, Dave Jones? He might be. I apologize to Dave Jones if I was. The name for some reason is not ringing a bell. I believe he used a different name to be credited as. But I'm okay. Gonna, I'm going to pull up. The, what, what's the one you just did that Fred directed? Oh, voicemails. Yes. So. Yeah. Um. Let me see. Let me see if I can pull up this poster. Davy Jones. I always call him Davy Jones because that's literally. I swear, I sw- unless I'm insane, Davy Jones is on this poster. Oh, or, that is possible. And it does not say his name is Dave Jones, but it's Dave Jones. <laughs> All right, let me see this. He's credited as something else, but there he is. Oh, that's Davy Jones, no doubt about it. That's him. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's a, he's a really good actor too. Did he go by Davy Jones or what? Did, did he tell you some fake name? I I, I feel dumb for not David knowing David Lafay. Really sure. It says right here. Oh, that's David a screen Lafay. name for him. He's got a <laughs> screen name. Oh, yeah. No, I don't. I don't feel so bad for not remembering. We just him. outed him, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> we outed his actual name. <laughs> that's his acting name. Yeah. He was a good guy. We, that was a short film we did with Fred Berry, who directed that, called Voicemails, about a guy who is walking to a friend's house one night, and he ends up getting shot in an alley. And while he's kind of lying there, dying, he calls up all these old friends that he had lost touch with um, and sort of sort of makes amends in some cases, and in others just kind of wants to say things he never said or apologizes to a few people. And there's one woman in particular who he, he kind of had a falling out with who he wishes he hadn't. That he that he lingers on for a while. So yeah, that was a that was a great a great project. And Fred Fred work that we just shot a few months ago that I think should be coming out um, soon. They don't tell me these things too much, but I I think should be coming out soon. As far as I know. Cool. And Cooey actually acted in that as well. I was surprised. Ryan Garakui. Yeah. yeah, you know Ryan Garakui. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually <laughs> know him through Davy Jones. I think because they're they're from our hometown. And then I never knew Cooey, but I knew him in college. And he's like, oh yeah, I'm from. Astrobula, and I was like, "What the fuck?" I was like, "How don't I know you?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're both. Cooey did a great job too. We had, we had uh, 
we were filming in the library one day, and that was like the, the key scene with Kui in it. And it was like we hadn't rehearsed it at all. We hadn't even been in the library yet, but we only had like maybe like a minute to shoot it. So we had to sit down really quick, just do the lines fast and get out of there. And Cody was great. He was extremely, he was really professional. He memorized everything really fast. We did the scene, and it was like probably the quickest shoot you'd ever see. Just yeah. alive. <laughs> some gorillas going awesome. in and out in a minute. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> just, what just like yeah. your sex life. I, just like my sex life. I I don't know what quick <laughs> shoots are, are all about. I've never been a part of that. <laughs> so yeah, that was great. Probably the quickest. Shot, I mean, most film, most shooting with that. What was it, it was a lot of takes as as you guys can imagine. But with that one, I remember we just had to go really fast just because we had such a limited time in the library. Um, yeah. So yeah, let's, let's go back and cause hell at Heathridge was the first really like big thing that you, both of us were a part yeah. of. Um, so yeah. let, let's talk a little, and I don't Have you seen hell? At I he- still I, haven't seen hell at Heathridge. I know it's it. a miles is top 10. It is. Yeah. Uh, he saw it, right? I don't know. I swear to God, he went to like a premiere of it, and I don't know if he was at the premiere, but he might have like rented it or something. Maybe he's like, I'm pretty sure he saw it and was like, kind of like the Morgan Thompson treatment of it, like <laughs> overly complimentary of it. <laughs> All I know about this movie is is what Buddy tells me in. It's oh, okay. Usually not positive. Well, I I never say anything positive about anything I've ever done. So. <laughs> He's humble. He stays humble. No, it's it's tough because you know there's so many people who make a movie and there's so many people involved with it that you don't want to like go out and say, oh, it's such a bad movie. Um, but I don't know with Heathridge, it's it is what it is what they bad. <laughs> I know that what more like I say Morgan Thompson treatment because she grilled me for giving um, unlucky unlucky three stars I think three out of five three stars. out of five stars and she said you didn't give it five stars I was like I'll just, how 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 I never actually found out from people how unlucky turned out I never saw it, it was three really out of five which is really good three yeah out of, okay that's three out of five is really five. fucking good for because yeah. I mean you. Because you were involved in it for a point. And that's right. I mean, that's right. I mean, you read the script and you knew what we had to work with. So yeah, we we did right. th- we did the best that we could with what we were given. Okay. That's what I say. Well, I, I I liked the script at first. I thought the first time I was sent the script for that movie, I thought it was pretty good. And then it seemed like each new draft I was given, like more and more creativity was drained out of it <laughs> until it was just this complete. I don't know what to call it, but it was just very dry by the end of. By the yeah. end of all these rewrites, it just seemed like they, it was it was almost just like by the numbers romantic comedy. No jokes could right. have any raunchiness to it, I guess. It was all mm. very tame. And you guys salvaged three stars out of salvaged that. Salvaged three stars. Wow. Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> My rating is the be all end all rating of that movie, by the way. Roger Ebert. I, su- I submitted I submitted a, I submitted a weight. script to that screenplay competition that that didn't win and that buddy didn't decided not to direct. So I had nothing oh, to do with wow. the decision. No, I, I, no, I, I believe the conversation went, we have to do this script cause that's what the school wants. But when we're done, I will do your movie. But then, oh, yeah, we know we did. We did have that agreement. Yeah. Yes. And I still believe that that will happen. Yeah. Sooner or later. <laughs> Sooner or later. <laughs> <laughs> that script is shelved right now. So hopefully, yeah. We'll get to it, but yeah, I, I I will send you a link to Unlucky, and then I'm reviewing your yeah, movie. Please. I'm reviewing yours, so maybe we can do a little trade off. 
or something. Yeah, no, I'm excited. Cool. We definitely do that. But yeah, definitely. let's let's uh, we'll stay back on track. We have a we have a problem with doing that as well. We just kind of get sidetracked <laughs> by everything. But um, yeah, tell us about how. Hell at Heathridge and your experience on that from yeah. your, from your no. perspective because I was there but right. or, or even like getting the call back or whatever because we left off after the yeah. auditions so what happened after that Hell at Heathridge I, I mean during the time was extremely exciting I thought I mean like yeah I, like I said I hadn't been doing too much acting at that time uh, not definitely not any film stuff so when I auditioned I was extremely excited for it and then um, I thought I had kind of blown the audition with that read. So I so to get a callback, I thought was amazing. Um, so I went and met you, buddy, for a callback. You had me read for a role. I think it was Jason. Yeah, you I read was, for all three at one point. Yeah, yeah. And that and then it, that was probably a little bit more appropriate for than than some of the, you know than than the one I had read for, which was Dale. Um, so it, it felt a little bit better then. Um, so we did that and then you told me, okay, I have to talk to my producers, but I, you know, I think you, you did tell me, you know, I, I feel good about it. I think it's going to work out. Um, so we did that audition. I think a couple days later, you called me back to read through, to read a scene with some of the producers. I know Tyler director was there. Caroline Abbey was there, um, did it for them. But then I didn't hear from you for like a week or two. And I thought that I totally did not get it. And then like, it got to the point where like, I, I got to a point where I really wanted it. Like at, after that, after those three auditions, I was like, man, I really think that I was close to this and that I was going to get it. So then I started really beating myself up over, man, I should I should have done better. I shouldn't have read for Dale in the beginning. That was just a stupid choice. And then you ended up, I think you you either sent me a, like a text message or you called me to say that, hey, we want you for this character, Jeff, who was kind of like this this uh, hipster-ish type nerdy guy. Um, and I didn't. you could have offered me anything at that point. I would have been so excited. You could have said, we just want you to be you know, clean up after the set, after we're all done filming. I would have taken it, you know, gladly just to work on the movie. So I was like so ecstatic at that. I was so pumped I was going to be a part of it. Um, I went to the first read-through of the script. Um, the writer was there. Tyler and Caroline were there. The whole cast was there. Um, and that was great. I mean, it just, it, it, what I would say about Heath Jake, it did feel like you were working on a real production, regardless of how people felt about the material or not like it, it did feel like you were with people who who had a passion for what they were doing who knew what they were doing and who really wanted to do this so the read-through was great we went to the costume fitting um where i met the woman who was doing the costumes i can't read Reina. 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 Reina, yeah Reina. and her first comment to me was and there's no like good way to say it, or no nice way to say it, but she just said to me you're too you're too cute to be playing jeff because she saw him as being like this really weird guy yeah. and she's like i start like growing out all your facial hair and you just start growing out your hair completely so up until this point i I was always clean shaven i never had a beard or anything so i was like okay i guess i could do that so i started growing out my beard and i think buddy you and i had like the same type of beard that summer yeah which was like extremely hot and we were shooting with these yeah with these huge beards um i didn't have to wear ridiculous argyle sweaters and stuff though yeah right right it was extremely hot and i'm wearing these huge sweaters these layers of clothing and um, so he was like, he, he was, he was a weird character. He was kind of, um, he was kind of the guy that no one wanted to be around. Um, not filming wise. I think filming wise, hopefully people want to be around, but you know, you don't know what the they mo- said behind your back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll never know. <laughs> but he was that I type know. of guy that, like that. Yeah. You know. Um, so yeah, that, that 
I thought that shoot went really well. Um, and then we had the we had the premiere and everything like that, and everybody came out to it, and um, kind of you, you draw your own conclusions and how you felt on the movie. But I thought it was that was great, and the fact that that led to the second time around and and all those things was awesome too. So it was a, it was a great experience with Kent State Univer- uh, Kent State Independent Films. I definitely have no regrets with it. Yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about second time around a little bit. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if he'll be listening to this or not. I'm assuming once he finds out you're in this, that Caleb Ferens will be listening to this podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if, he, if he finds out you're in. And Second Time Around was his passion project. So yeah. t- tell us about, because you were, because in Hell Heathridge, you were the supporting character mainly. Right. But Second right. Time Around was all about you. So yeah. Yeah. Tell, tell us about Second Time Around, what Second Time Around about for those that haven't. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, second time around was about um, one guy who had he was about to graduate grad school, um, and he his life hadn't really gone the way he hoped. He was about twenty six years old. He already had a failed marriage. Um, his career in photography and journalism hadn't really taken off. And you see him one day in his life in the first episode. Um, where he's, you know, he's arguing with his ex-wife. He didn't get the job he wanted, and he's just kind of saying like, "Life sucks right now." Um, and he goes to this waterfall, says like, "I wish things had gone differently for me. It sucks." Um, and then he he wakes up. Um, I can't even watch second time around in a while. I figure I'm gonna make sure I'm getting right. He wakes up and he's I back. Believe it, I believe it's freshman year, so like six years. But he but he wait, but he wakes up at freshman year, right? Yeah. He wakes up and he's back at his freshman year and he's getting given this chance to sort of do it all over again. But what, what are we? We're missing the whole thing about the the suicide in the beginning, though. Oh, first, okay, so it starts out yeah. in like 2012 or something. Right. You meet your wife. It fast forwards. That's right. To the, okay, to, you're right. To yeah. the future, you don't get the job. Then it goes all the way back to before you met your wife. Thank you for explaining my filmography to me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is true, though. So it does. It starts off when he's younger, goes to when he's older, and you see how things got bad, and then jumps back to his freshman year, and he's given the chance to start it all over again. Um, wakes back up. He can't believe what time it is, so he, he wants to go back and sort of change things and see if they're any differently. Um, but it was that was a really well-written series. Caleb did a great job. Um, and that was something I just, I saw the casting call online. Um, and I saw that Caleb was a part of it and I briefly met Caleb at Heathridge on Heathridge, but, um, didn't, I didn't get to talk to him that well. So I honestly didn't even know if, if, you know, I made an impression or if he was even going to remember me. Um, but as soon as I walked into the auditions, he was like pumped that I was there and excited I was auditioning. Um, so I did that one. I read from the, I read from the, the, the sides as buddy calls yes. them. <laughs> <laughs> And then I wasn't really sure what to make of that either. But then pretty quickly, I got I got a call back, went to that, read with a bunch of different people, uh, and ended up getting cast in, in the lead on that, which was which was really great. Um, and then it was it turned out to be a six part web series. We did one. Uh, the pilot was about a half hour long, which which ended up being a huge success. We released the pilot, and it shot to like a thousand views on YouTube really quickly, and people were sharing it all over the place, and we getting great feedback. Um, but then it kind of got to the point where like, oh man, we, we got to make some more. So we, yeah. <laughs> we, yeah, we, we, we jumped into the production under the second episode and the second episode, we, we really wanted to get it out quickly. So it ended up only being like five minutes long. Um, but we wanted to get just like, you know, 10 out there. 
Um, and we did. And then, you know, more and more writers wanted to get involved, more and more filmmakers wanted to get involved. So it kind of became a huge collaborative process between yeah. so many different people. Um, and when you watch it now, you can you can see that because I think there's so many different styles to each episode of it. Um, from a lot of people who like, you know, like you buddy did it and Keegan did it and Apatrunic did it. And so many people who still went on to do like these awesome things were like sort of experimenting with stuff yeah. with second time. I think it's like so cool when you watch that, when you watch it now. Um, so yeah, I, so, I haven't watched it since basically the time we did it. So yeah, it'd be yeah, no, same to... here. It'd be it'd be great to go revisit it. I know, like about a, probably about a year ago, I sat down and, and watched a couple episodes, and it still holds up. Like I, I think it's still a really good show, um, writing wise and you know production wise. So it's 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 really it's it's really fun to revisit. And um, like I said, Caleb just did a great job. And, and Caleb, what was great about it too was that it was his baby. I mean, he was the executive producer on it, but he was very open to lots of different collaboration. I mean, any ideas I had with the character, he was more than happy to hear those out. Um, any ideas that any other writers had or any places they wanted to take it, he was open with that. And, um, you know, I, I got to imagine when you're, when you're writing a series like that, it can't always be easy to just open it up to anybody's interpretation or anybody's, you know, um, ideas, but he, he definitely did. And um, I think it's great. I'm, I'm waiting for the call on season two. My phone hasn't yeah. rang. <laughs> <laughs> whenever he calls I, whenever he calls i'm ready to go yeah it was well, honestly that was one of the funnest experiences filming the second time around one of the biggest challenges with that i guess it was not only switching directors every single episode um but also for the first episode like you said it was a half hour we had a whole semester to work on it and then right. the second semester we had to crank out five by the end of the right. year because everyone was going to leave right right so that was tough. I mean, yeah, it, it, we definitely kind of had to go into overdrive second semester and work around the clock. But like I said before, by by after the first episode aired, we had so many people who wanted to get involved with it that we almost we, we really had the talent and the commitment to keep it going for a whole other semester and to do it much quicker than we did before. Um, so that's what made it a lot easier was that you're working with people who really wanted to do this and had the skill set to do it. Um, so even though we were filming quicker – it still felt like the same amount of care and and talent was in you know skill was, was really going into each episode, uh, so it's it was yeah it, it turned out I think it turned out pretty good, in the in the end. I have a question for you like as an actor because like normally on TV show like on like Friends or something like that there's different directors for every episode. How'd you know, how'd you know that I'm watching Friends right now? Are you watching it for the first time? No, I mean, I used to watch it growing up <laughs> all the time, but now I'm actually, like, watching it. It's one of those like, relaxing shows that you can just put on and watch for, like, hours. Yeah. So I, I've i been enjoying it. Well, we were, just ta- we were talking on our last episode, um, last week's episode, that Friends just got available on Netflix for the first time in the UK. So everyone, oh. so everyone in the UK is watching it for the first time, and they're just flabbergasted by it. Yeah, they're blown away. Yeah, what is like? What is this amazing new program? Uh, they're mainly just—they're mainly just complaining about the hairstyles and. No, how... no, it's mostly um, Ross. Most people are just complaining about Ross. And he's—he's he's very mopey. Like nine? No, they just everyone hates him. Oh, <laughs> I think Ross gets funnier as the as the series goes on, though, because they kind of play up his how he's kind of a nerd and. Um, all his little like quirks. I, I think he's—I think he's a funny. I like character. Ross's uh, twin. And the one episode, that was like, he was funnier than Ross just because it was just like, 
the imitation oh, yeah. of Ross yeah. or whatever. Russ. Russ. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so, okay, so while we're on the topic of friends, question for you. Me okay. and Jared share the same opinion on this. Were Ross and okay. Rachel on a break? Yes or no? Wait, say, are they on a break right now? No, were oh. they on a break? Were they? No, yeah, they to- they totally were. They totally were on a break. I think this is a <laughs> universal male opinion on yes. this. They were ten billion percent on a break. They were though. I mean, first of all, first of all, they were on a break. Second of all, he called her from the bar, and she had that guy in her apartment. She so did. I- she did. Yeah, she and I and, and you know, so I think Ross really, you know, I think he, what he did was pretty forgivable at, in that state. I mean. I think all he had to do was explain this and like you. And first of all, it was Rachel's idea to take the break too. It wasn't like Ross said, "Let's go on a break," and then he went and cheated on her. She said, "I want to take a break." Then she had this guy over her apartment. So I think that it was pretty. Um, I know she was being a little bit harsh, and then she was being even more harsh when she found that that note about the things that he didn't like about her. When she yeah. found out when he broke up with the one girl and be and uh, she was going to get back together with him, but then she saw that he had written a note that said. The things they like and dislike about each girl. Right. right. Yeah, so I thought that Rachel's a little, you know. I mean, but she has a right I mean, all all he said was that she had chubby ankles or something. I know, right, right. (laughs) (laughs) She's a a beautiful woman, though, and and she's smart, and she has the right to to make him uh, work as hard as he absolutely has to. So I don't don't blame her, and, 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 you know, so still a good show. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so anyway back to second time around mm-hmm. um so as i was saying like with friends there's different directors for every episode but it's all overseen by the same producers writers all that so all the episodes kind of feel the same but with second right. time around there's definitely like tonally like the episodes are different stylistically yeah. they're different um yeah. so i was just wondering like from an actor like what was it like having to deal with a different director every episode and having all the episodes are like very different from each other. Like some are very comedic. Mine was like a soap opera. Basically it was all emotional and some are just like a mix of both. So like, what was that like dealing with all these different? I I look at it like you can watch, you know, you can watch 10 X-Men movies and get one thing and then watch Logan and get something totally different because it's a different interpretation on it. So the character I think stays consistent throughout each six episodes of second time around, but you had different directors who had just a different interpretation of, of the events going on and, and different ideas for where they wanted to place that character. Um, so for me as an actor, it, you know, it, it didn't really change because once I figured this guy out, once I had his backstory down, once I knew what he wanted, once I understood that mindset, that stays consistent. Um, now, if there's different directors who want to explore different sides of that mindset, which is what was going on, I think that's awesome. I think that's totally amazing that they that they want to do that, that they don't just stay completely glued to one idea of it. Um, so that's how it kind of felt like. I mean, it just kind of felt like each time I'd get somebody else who would say, hey, I'm, I'm more interested in kind of looking at it from this angle or, or approaching this side of it. Um, some wanted to focus on the comedic aspects and just keep it light, and some people like you, buddy, I know specifically wanted to focus on make it a little bit darker, wanted to show other sides of it. Um, the character doesn't change, but, you know, just I think the way the audience views it and the way we approach it changes a little bit. So um, from an acting standpoint, I think that's awesome because it just gives you the chance to explore each side of the character. You spend so much time, You spend as an actor, you spend so much time creating these guys that, you know, to not be able to sort of showcase every side of it sometimes feels wasteful. And, and to have 
directors who are interested in every aspect of it. I think that's an awesome thing to have on a set. So I was definitely proud that, that it can jump around like that. Cool. Did you have anything mm-hmm. to ask about second time? I mean, cause you haven't, I've never it. seen second time around. Like, are you so. curious about anything about it? I, it sounds like an interesting <laughs> concept. So is it still on YouTube? Can I go watch? All right. Yeah. So I'll probably yeah. go watch it at some point. Um, <laughs> I was just going to make a comment that the buddy made the serious episodes cause he's not funny at all. <laughs> he's always trying to make the podcast way too serious I, I, i'll tell a joke and he'll just be he'll just give me that look it was like an awkward silence for a little bit yeah that happens every episode that's it yeah look what you're doing right that's now funny, you're just, i'm making a joke and you're just staring at me i think that's part of the charm yeah we we meant to have a premiere for a second time around but that never i know never happened for some reason we i know we we had talked about that like showing all the episodes and i don't know what sure what happened with that either i think that we should still get that on the books i think we can still get caleb we got to get caleb on the show ask him about what's going I know. on you gotta get uh, I so, find we're, out so we're waiting so we're waiting on a premiere we're waiting on season two we're waiting on the dvds yeah. of season one the dvds <laughs> release of season two. one that, when, I pretty- when caleb made the the kickstarter for it one of the goals, like the things you could pay for, was like a DVD box set. Yeah, and I don't know if anyone ever got those. No, oh. no. I do predict that one day Caleb is just going to pop up and have a whole season two, twenty-four episode, twenty-four hour long episodes written and ready to go. He's going to call up the cast and he'll call. I will. I will drop everything I'm doing and say, "Yeah, I'll make this with you right now. Let's make season two. I don't care how many episodes you want to make." I think so Caleb. I think Caleb should bring back the sandwich vlogs. Are you aware of the sandwich vlogs? No, I don't even know about Caleb. Ha- Caleb had this was before I met him, but Caleb had his own web series where he would talk about his week, essentially, and while he would do it, he would eat a unique sandwich. Oh, oh so man. one episode you could just get a normal like ham sandwich, but sometimes you'll get like peanut butter and M and M's. But he would just eat the sandwich, talk about Men in Black Three. Or whatever was going on that week. You were talking about Men in Black 3? I think Men in Black 3 came out around the oh, time he was man, doing this this web series. Oh, oh, I, I believe he took them down, but... Oh. Do these still exist anywhere? Can you find them? You can't find... Oh, yeah. I don't I, I, mean, I mean, I'm sure he's got an archive of them somewhere. <laughs> Does he make comments about the That's flavor of the sandwich as he's going on with it's this? It's just a lot of chewing noises. So, well, it's, so if it's like a particularly delicious sandwich he's not just like yeah men in black three was mediocre but damn this sandwich is good <laughs> it was nothing like that but there, but there were some episodes where it was Wait, more i mediocre. hope it's exactly like that there were definitely more episodes where you could tell the sandwich was not ideal because there's a lot more talking the episodes were just him eating we're just him eating you, you know can that... tell the sandwich is good if he's if he's just kind of eating the sandwich and he like steps back and takes a look at it Gives it a, a nice <laughs> nod of appreciation and then continues. And, and oh, that would be awesome. This is my director's take on, on that is at, at the end of every episode, he'll give his week a score and then a sandwich, the sandwich uh, a, out of five I've al- score. I've always told him that he should bring it back because now yeah. he, he's not on the whole sandwich thing. He's he's was really into like those soda streams and making oh, yeah, all these different yeah. drinks. So I he did a thing called like 30 Days of Drink. But he would just like post it on Facebook. I was like, "Why aren't you doing videos of these? Like, this would be like good." Mm-hmm. But 
Hopefully this year yeah. we can convince him to do it. He did get really into those soda things. I mean, every time we went over to his place, he was making soda for everybody. So he was. Are you, really are you aware soda of soda streams, Jerry? I've, I've like, I mean, I was alive when this was kind of like a thing. I remember my <laughs> ex girlfriend got like sort of like a soda making machine for Christmas. Like, and that, yeah, that's what it, he would make like apple pie soda and like all this yeah like weird stuff, he did crazy stuff. It was always good, my, though. I mean, he didn't my ex out. never, never made... Never like, made you anything? She made, like, some, like, when she first got it, but, like, it died down very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even think I was drinking soda when this stuff kind of happened. Caleb's soda. a stand-up guy. We should have him on the show. That would be a very interesting conversation. Yeah. He'll teach you, you a lot us, of stuff. He'll teach together. you together. <laughs> I didn't think about it. I'm interested in these damn sandwich videos that really caught my attention that's i gotta great. i gotta be honest as soon as you mentioned the sandwich videos i immediately thought that's more interesting than anything i've ever acted in or written <laughs> <laughs> go on about what i've done when that exists somewhere that's american culture because there's not much more fascinating yeah. Yeah. than a goddamn sandwich right? that's true that's americana yeah that's, that's a huge <laughs> i love that kid so much <laughs> I mean, yeah i miss him yeah but um, so the second time around ended. It was senior year. We all mm-hmm. kind of went our separate ways. So well, kind of not yet though, because we did Restretto. We did Restretto, and we started out of the silence. Which oh yeah, which, yeah. which you never finished. You got fired. We finished the whole thing. Premiered at Sundance. Yeah, got it, fired. He got fired, man. <laughs> he got out. We premiered the thing at Sundance, but we lost uh, the Oscar to the one about SeaWorld, the documentary category. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What'd you get fired for? What kind of what kind of controversy was that? You know, that was actually news to me. I thought the whole project was canned, and now by the time it was just me that was fired, and they actually went on to Sundance and everything. So this is sort of an uh, you know this is an enlightenment for me because I really didn't know all this. Damn, but, uh, buddy, can you can you enlighten happy, us? I'm still happy for you guys. What? Yeah, but that what, was that, what that happened. Happen. What happened and here? I, buddy and I were approached about hosting a documentary called Out of the Silence about cochlear implants for, for the deaf. Um, it was going to be written and directed by an actual deaf person who had gotten a cochlear implant. And he was a really interesting guy. Buddy and I went out to go meet him, I think in Canton, Ohio, I want to say. And we Something got like, like coffee. Yeah. Was it, yeah, around there, got coffee with him. He explained to us the whole idea, how yeah. we're going to go interview all these different like celebrities and people. We're going to go to hospitals and talk to doctors. We're going to like travel the United States and make this awesome documentary. And Buddy and I were like so on board with it. Like That sounds great. We went back to Kent State and we told them like what we were doing. Kent State wanted to do an article on it. We've they got front p- front page of the paper. Front page, yeah. We're on the front page of the of the Kent paper about what we were doing, and we were so excited. And then we just never heard from this guy really again, and it never ended up happening. So I don't know if I don't know if that project ever actually went on without well, it. Oh, no, all I, I know, in, in all se- in all seriousness. We thought it was like we shot like a Kickstarter like promo yeah, for it, yeah. but then after that we never heard anything for years. And then just like last right. year, they made a new page for like Out of the Silence documentary, same guy. And I guess they're doing it now, or they might have stopped doing it again. Wow. But basically, we were both out. And now they have Martin Scorsese. Yeah. And stuff yeah. Like that. Okay, yeah. 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 So I, 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 honestly, I really don't know what happened with that. But. <laughs> DiCaprio's hosting it. <laughs> we were replaced <laughs> Bad. but that was we, we were excited about that but yeah that never ended up happening I still have the it's funny because I I have the paper here somewhere 
of you and I on the cover. Yeah. And they're always, I always show people and they'll ask me, like, oh, what, what was this project about? And I'm like, well, we really don't know. We never actually made it. Yeah. But we, we are on the cover of this magazine. <laughs> but we were on the cover and we were happy as hell. And <laughs> yeah. in, in, all, in all serious, like, you could put those photos online and it would just look like we're in a Law & Order ripoff because, like, we're wearing these suits with, like, our arms crossed. And oh, everything. my God. Yeah. And people and like and a lot of people didn't realize because I wish I wonder if I have one second I want to see if I have the cover. Yeah. So can you see? Yeah, we can see it on the cover. <laughs> we don't see me. We see you. Like, <laughs> yeah, they would like back a bit. Get those in there. They like put our faces together and it looked like we were just one person. Yeah. Pull it back a little bit. We just see the words. Oh, sorry. Yeah, there, it is. there we are. There we go. Mm-hmm. Look at that. And there's a whole a whole write-up on this. Yeah. This is the kind of stuff that I save. And there we are. Oh, I've got like eight copies because my mom had me just grab a whole stack of them. So I've got at least oh, yeah. like 20 of them at my house. Man, no, it sounds I, like I, an exciting time for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I still consider this this project that never happened my greatest accomplishment. <laughs> <laughs> greatest thing I've ever done. Well, you got fired. And I mean, yeah. now, now that the documentary's gone on to such success, you know what yeah. I mean? Just to have your name even mentioned in the same breath is, is quite an Exactly, honor. right. Right, exactly. Yes. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a huge thing. So, what yeah, are you going to sure. do? But around that time, yeah, we did do the 48-hour film, Ristretto. Yeah, yeah I, I almost forgot. I forgot that was the same time period as that. That's, yeah, that was probably that. I want to say that was the summer after we graduated. It was, because we finished second yeah. time around in, like, June. And then right. I was already, because I was already the director with Andrew for the 48-hour yeah. film. So while you guys were finishing second time around, we were working on getting the 48-hour stuff situated. Yeah, yeah. And I remember... We did. The, we were doing the forty-eight hour. You guys had asked me to act in it without, because with the forty-eight hour, as a lot of people know, you don't know what movie you're making until the night you start making it. So, like seven o'clock, they give us our genre, our main character, our line of dialogue, um, and I think, yeah, that, I think that's, that's it. it. And, and then you start. And then you start working. So they gave us that. We started conceptualizing right away. I sat in the writer's room for a few minutes, but I didn't contribute at all, so I ended up leaving. I know we got film noir, so they were trying yeah. to figure something out. Uh, and then I saw the first um, draft of the script you get that they were working on, and I really liked it right away. And I, again, I didn't know who I'd be playing it or not. And I remember like specifically taking Buddy aside and saying, "Buddy, like you have to make me the lead, like the lead character." In this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm co- I'm committed to this for the whole weekend. I'm not gonna sleep. I'll do it, but you have to make me the main character. And I was like really selfish with it, which I try not to be when I do stuff. But everybody's like, all right, well, you- backstage <laughs> politics right and, there. Uh, and, but, yeah. and, we, and all the actors were friends, so he's politicking against. I was, I was. Which I hate, I hate to do because as an actor, I'm kind of like, hey, it's you know, I work with a lot of people who. Over, first off, I'm gonna work with you. It's because I respect the way you direct, and I expect your vision for it. So I try not to say like, oh, this is what you should have me doing because I want them to do what they think is going to be best for what they're imagining. But with that, it was kind of like, buddy, I, I really need you to put me. I think I'm really, really, really good at this. I need you to make me a lead character. So, and buddy, you didn't, and you did not say like, oh yeah, I'm going to do it for you. You said I'm, I'll think it over, and I think you have. Well, I couldn't let you know right then. Just like when you hey, auditioned, know, right? for, when you auditioned for Jeff and 
I forget your character in second time around, Austin or whatever. Yeah, we Austin knew right Club. away, but you can't tell you that. Right, right. So, and that's fine. Yeah, and that was good. So, you had me read for some stuff, and then you finally said that yeah, you were we want you to play the lead in this, and I was so excited because I I love I love the idea of doing a film noir. Um, I loved I loved working with you and Andrew. So we did that forty. That was our first time doing forty eight hour. Um, we all stayed up the entire weekend and shot. Um, turned it in Sunday night. That Sunday night at like seven p.m. Um, and then had the premiere. What? That was when the uh, forty eight hour was in Tower City. So I think the premiere was there. And, yeah, uh, I don't. It was like a month later or something like that. Yeah. And I, I don't think we were nominated for any awards or any. Or we, 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 got... were, we were nominated for four, but we didn't win any. Well, here's the thing with that. The thing with that, though, because at first they released, like, I know we, we ended up getting nominated for, like, some stuff, but at first they released the nominees for, like, the big stuff, like Best Picture and Best Actor and Best Script and that kind of stuff. And that's the kind of stuff, like, you really want. Yeah. So I I was, like, checking back like, all the time, the website, to see if they listed anything, and they weren't. So one day I'm at work, and I was managing a pool at that time, and I get a call from Rachel, the actress in the movie, and I'm not at my phone, so she leaves a message, and she goes, Jesse, have you checked the website? Oh, my gosh, you're going to pee your pants. That's how she worded it. So I go and I check the website. I go check the website, and we're not nominated for anything. So I call her back, and I'm like, Rachel, I'm like, we're, I, you just told me I was going to pee my pants. Like, we're not nominated for anything. And she's like, I know. That's why you're going to pee your pants, because we weren't nominated for anything. I'm like, who pees their pants out of anger? <laughs> like, what kind of thing was that? She made it sound like we were like, it was like this great, amazing thing. Like, it was something to be excited for. So I was I was a little let down by that. Um, but I still think, I think we did all did a great job. With yeah. Strato, we weren't nominated for any of the major stuff, but I think we were nominated mm-hmm. for best use of genre, best locations, and yeah. like a, a couple other things. Which I don't know how we got best locations because we literally were shooting in an abandoned apartment with just a bunch of garbage all over the floor. Yeah, right. Well, we had that we had that shot that we did at like three a.m. though of like a vacant Kent State downtown, which I think probably oh the bike chase. Right, the bike chase. Yeah, because it almost yeah. looked like we had shut down a street to do that because we filmed it so late. So I think that probably helped us, you know, a little bit. Yeah. But uh, I don't know how much you remember from the 48-hour film, but just kind of take us through that whole experience for you. Yeah, I I had never done it at that time, so I didn't know what to expect with it. Um, I knew that you weren't going to get very much sleep. Um, But like I said, you didn't find out really what kind of movie you're making until that night. So we got all the stuff. Um, Everybody kind of, once we found out we are doing film noir – everybody like packed into a little room and started like throwing stuff up onto a whiteboard. Like, Oh, we should do it this way. Or we should have this kind of character. Or, this is what we should focus on. And, um, it, it probably during that time, we probably had too many people in that room, like throwing stuff oh, out for sure. Yeah. So, so I think our main writers eventually got overwhelmed with all that. And they like, kind of ran away from everybody, went outside and started like concepting on their own and talking over, okay, here's what we should do. Um, and I think that's when it actually, the story around it started really coming to life. Um, when they kind of like put themselves in a room and started writing it. So once that happened, they locked themselves in a room um, and they started writing. Um, then we, the actors were, we, the, and I think I'm remembering this right. The actors, we were given the script before any of us knew who would be playing. We were just shown what, you know, what it was. Um, and that's again, when I fell in love with the main character. Um, so we had the script. Um, that's when I talked to Buddy about who I wanted to be. We eventually found out who everybody had been cast as. 
Um, we had limited time to really prepare a character, so you kind of because, right away had Because the way we did the script was, in hindsight, we probably shouldn't have done it this way, but we had, like, six mm -hmm. actors or something like that, and we wanted to write for <laughs> everyone, because normally, like, you oh, would okay. have, like, a bunch of actors and then only use, like, two of them, but what we were trying to do is right. include everyone, but... I'll get into the drama with that in a little bit with one of the actors. I don't know if you remember this or not, but we'll, when it comes to it, I'll talk to you about it. But yeah, no, we wrote, I, don't think so. I believe we wrote the character specifically for you when we did oh, that. Oh, okay. Like, we, like, I might be remembering it wrong, but I'm pretty sure. That's yeah. why that must, That's why. That's why I fell in love with him, because he was, he was already me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how it went yeah. down. I could be remembering that wrong. But okay, anyway, that makes sense. Yeah. Continue. So then it was kind of like we we're going to start shooting, and I know like you guys wanted to film that bike chase downtown first, which was good because it gave me and the other actors like a good um, amount of time to start preparing. So right away you start like you start writing stuff, you start thinking about how you want this character to look, how you want him to talk. Um, you kind of have to make some quick. When I when I do a, a, a you know a typical acting role, usually you give yourself a good amount of time to really start preparing. Okay, what's his backstory? Where did he come from? Why does he do these things? And with this, you're given a few hours to sort of figure all that stuff out. So you kind of have to really um, make quick decisions and be able to back those up. Um, I remember with Chase, I wanted to establish that he was going to you know he's 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 a young guy. Um, he'd been through, he'd probably been through a lot of stuff. He wasn't a very big guy. So we kind of had to overcompensate with the way he carried himself that he was still, you know, going to be intimidating if he was in the role he was in. Um, so my first thought was I'll give him kind of like this thick, um, Brooklyn-ish accent that should almost feel a little bit weary and like un almost not properly placed because it's, it's clear he's doing it to try to fit in or to make himself look more than he is. Um, so we threw that in there, um, which in hindsight, looking back, it was kind of like, oh, that accent probably wasn't that properly placed as, as it should have been. <laughs> but, but we threw that in there. You made those kind. Of, we made those kind of choices with it. That stuff I would talk over with you and and, and Andrew. Um, and then another thing was just because you're shooting around the clock, um, and you and you know you, it's just going to be a short film. You wanted to make sure that you're kind of really um, uh, really get to know that character quickly. So for that for so for that reason, I wanted to do it almost in a method way where I stayed with the accent, stayed in the character the whole time we were shooting. So I think I asked you and Andrew to call me Chase throughout the duration yeah, of, of, the, of the shoot. I kept, you know, I, I kept the same accent, which, which, which made it good. I think, which, which for something like that, I still feel like you, you kind of have to do it that way. Playing that kind of character. Um, but yeah, then we, we filmed uh, through Sunday. By the end of it, we were all just so dead and ready to ready to fall asleep. I, I specifically remember you, buddy, after we cleaned everything up, just like saying, yelling out to everybody, "All right, I'm going to bed," and like just like jumping into your car and driving away. <laughs> I don't remember. I, I very well could yeah, have. Fre that's frequently how he leaves me too. Actually, it's like we'll it stand like, there for a second. Yeah. Bit. All right, I'm going to bed. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to bed. Goodbye. <sighs> just jumps in the car and leave, and then we all just kind of passed out for the next couple of days and and then i think um waited to hear what the news was on the movie but um uh, but yeah that's i think that is a great way to 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 work with to, to work on a movie and to not like and, and i guess in a kind of ways like force your creativity when you have a little in a short period of time you have to force yourself to make quick creative decisions and it's always interesting to kind of see where your mind goes when it's under that kind of stress and that kind of pressure okay so i'm going to ask you if you remember the drama with one of our actresses who 
was upset. The bath? Yeah. yeah. Were, were you there the for that? Thing? Cause no, I, I was because okay, so we were on set, so yeah, I only heard about it too. I wasn't aware if you were at base when that all went down. Mm-hmm. But do you want to tell the story or should I? I think you <laughs> should. I you probably know it better than I do. I, I I'm gonna see if I remember this correctly, and you can correct me if okay. I'm wrong. So Jared, so we had this actress. Okay. What's up? I was gonna say I think it's actually on the IMDb page. Is it? Yeah, because I think I added it there. Oh, did you? <laughs> go, go ahead and go read ahead. that out if you're no if you're pulling it up go ahead and read that out. <laughs> well i mean i just want to see what it says on the page i'm gonna check really quick so i'll never i'll, I'll also one quick thing while i'm looking this up is that um i think we decided to call it ristretto at the last minute and no one yeah. really knew what that was i think it was josh's idea to call it that because he when worked I, at at Starbucks, because basically, right, right. So when they give you the forty eight hour film, they give you a character, and like the character has to have a specific job and a name. So the character's name was Stephanie, and she was a barista. So you had like yeah. had to have Stephanie or Stephen in your movie as a barista. So right. we were kind of thinking, well, we should name this after some sort of coffee. And we had someone who worked at Starbucks. He's like, oh, name it Ristretto. And we were like, all right, that right. sounds cool. It's a film noir. But none of us knew what the hell that was. Yeah. I guess it's like a watered-down something. Watered double down. shot of espresso or something. Yeah, it's like a concentrated cup of coffee. And it's like a, like a, like it's tiny, but it carries like the biggest punch, I guess, of any shot of espresso. Um, but when they asked us during the Q&A after the movie, none of us knew what it was. So we were just like, oh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, and like obviously, like, obviously that would be the first question we get in the Q and A. So like, oh, what does your title mean? And we're all just like, oh, we we really don't know. <laughs> but then, I think that's in the I think that's in the IMDb facts as well. Is it? <laughs> but I'm looking here. It says in Ristretto, Chase Bannon refers to his secretary Anna and even speaks with her on the phone. The character was meant to appear on screen in a scene that took place right before Chase enters Stephanie's destroyed apartment. However, complications arose where the actress decided to leave the production only a few hours before her scene was scheduled to be shot. Before she even chose to no longer be a part of the production, this actress was given many of the crew members' difficulties. It has been reported that she was barking and snarling like an animal to some of the crew members, as well as locking herself in the bathroom and refusing to come out. She proceeded to take a bath and emerged from the bathroom several hours later only speaking in grunts. After this, she packed her things and departed from Evil Pony Pictures' production house. Her whereabouts, her whereabouts are still unknown. Which is all true, <laughs> supposedly. <laughs> we weren't there. We were on set shooting, but they were with everyone else, and I guess she, like, flipped out or something. Yeah. I don't know. That's crazy. Interesting. But, but what, did it, what did the IMDb page say about uh, the premiere? About the... Uh... The, it says the title Ristretto refers to a drink of very strong concentrated espresso. When asked during a Q&A session following the premiere screening why they chose this for the title of the film, director Buddy Candela responded, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. <laughs> wow. That's pretty, cool. <laughs> That's pretty neat. Yeah. But yeah, that, I do remember that. I do. But it was still... I think it still turned out okay. Yeah. I was going to ask you if you remember... Because, like, when you're working, like, close with an actor, like, sometimes you want to, like, push their buttons a little bit. And oh, yeah, like, I do like remember, it, yeah. Kind of like the Paul Heyman JR. 
you know what I'm yeah. scenario? Sort of. But Jesse, do you know what I'm talking about? I know. I remember Buddy's famous direction to me used to be "suck less," which was. <laughs> well, we which were is doing funny it. because. Yeah, well, it's funny because you work on those sets with you guys, and I know like you guys were still sort of getting the hang of working with actors, and we're still getting the hang of taking direction from you guys. So everyone's trying to kind of be sensitive with the other person and think of like, okay, what's the best way to approach this without acting like I'm, you know, like, you know, I'm not appreciating what they're doing. So usually you'd go into like, hey, like, oh, that was a good job, like, but maybe try doing it this way, or you try just being as sensitive as you can. But with Buddy, because we were already like good friends, he didn't care about any of that stuff. So he would just walk up to me and say, hey, Jesse, uh, suck less. <laughs> just walk away. I think because it started as like a rib like it started like yeah. i was like you know because i was like telling like the other directors like all right next time jesse like screws up a scene i'm gonna like cause a riot or something so we're doing this scene where jesse's sitting in his car and the villain not to give anything away of who the villain is you can go watch it it's a 12 minute film yeah the, the big viewers question. no i'm not telling i'm telling the viewers okay, you can go okay. watch it i've obviously seen it a hundred times yes. <laughs> the villain gets in the car and pulls the gun out on jesse and Jesse just keeps laughing, or he doesn't say his line right, or just something yeah. happened. But we ended up having to do this particular shot multiple times, because just this thought of this guy sitting in a chair, and he's the friendliest guy ever, sits <laughs> yeah. in this chair and, like, pulls out a gun, and trying to take it seriously is the most ridiculous thing. So Jesse keeps laughing and laughing, and then eventually, after, like, the tenth take or something, I'm just like, stop the camera! And I, like... <laughs> I didn't say yeah. it like that ridiculous. Like people were like scared for stop a the camera. <laughs> people were like scared for like half a second. I like walk up, I walk over to the car where the car windows rolled down. I like squat down to his level. I'm like looking around and I'm just like suck less. And I just like, walk away. <laughs> yeah, it's especially tough when you've been filming for 24 hours too to like stop. You know, for I think we both just get slap happy after a while and just start yeah. laughing and stuff. So. Buddy would definitely tell me when it was time to stop sucking and actually start doing the scene the right, the right way. <laughs> but that was helpful advice. I prefer to I prefer someone tell me something like that than try to color code it. So yeah, I always appreciated that. So any closing thoughts on Ristretto? Oh uh, no, I mean it was the first time doing the forty eight hour. I thought it was a it was a good experience, and I think was that I wanted. Prefer- did you do another after? Because that was my first and last forty-eight hour. I don't know. Did I, you do? Yeah, it? I, end, I I ended up doing another one a few years or two years later, probably with Get the Picks, which was which was um, Welcome to PKE, which uh, that was Get the Picks. So we ended up making um, Sick Trans of Gloria. Yeah. So 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 yeah, jumping if we jump to that. Yeah. PKE was sort of like the acoustic version of what Sick Trans of Gloria would eventually become and that started as a 48 hour film as well um but that was kind of like john and i the director of sick transit um decided we wanted to do the 48 hour that year i told him i had done it once he had never done it before um we drove to the place to get our to get our ideas our uh, um to get our uh category like our film and everything um but backing up a little bit before that i had been telling john that i always wanted to make a documentary um, about fraternities because I I just really don't like them at all and I think going <laughs> literally before this episode Jared was like yeah. oh is this Jesse guy your fraternity brother? I didn't even say, like <laughs> we were getting ready to come on here my girlfriend's like oh who are you guys interviewing I was like oh it's one of Buddy's fucking fraternity buddies from college 
<laughs> no, I think my, my time at Kent State and both my roommates are in fraternities and going to frat houses and weekends, you see like just the worst kind of people imaginable. So I, I always just hated those kind of people and that kind of behavior. So I'd always said that it, it was like my dream to make a documentary that's really exposed the stupidity behind a lot of frat life. Um, and that's what I always told John and like John, would, you know, he kind of like entertained me a little bit not that he ever would actually want to make that, but he's like, Oh yeah, it's an interesting idea. So anyway, we get our 48 hour and we, we, it's our genre is sports adventure movie. Um, we have to have a bus driver in it. We have to sports have adventure. Sports adventure. Yeah. Okay. That was our genre. Yeah. So is we that drive like space jam. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> we drive, we drive back to his house to start planning everything. We get all of our cast and crew together and a lot of the cast we were able to assemble was primarily just male and primarily our age and a little bit younger. And we're going over all these ideas and things we can do. We go on for like two hours conceptualizing and writing a little bit. And eventually one of the guys yells out like, man, it'd be cool. Like if we, he mentioned something about fraternity. Like it's over, we do like a fraternity thing. And like it light just clicked on in my head. And I was like, John, this is the chance to make like the frat movie <laughs> that I've been telling you I want to make. So um, I said that to the guys. I'm like, guys, like, would you want to do like a movie that is just like a, like makes it like frat fraternities look stupid and like expose that. Um, and during the time, like I remember um, James Franco's movie Goat at Sundance, and I don't think it had come out yet, but there were starting to be trailers of that, which was going to be a fraternity movie where they show kind of the absurdity of it. And we were kind of like, oh yeah, that was that's kind of a cool idea. So we um, we started talking about about doing that, and everybody was on board for it. Um, so that was we kind of ran with it, and I ended up you know I ended up writing the screenplay for that. Um, sat down that night for about two to three hours, wrote the script, brought it back out to our cast. Everybody was on board. Um, shot around the clock, similar to what we did with Ristretto, um, and then turned that in um, uh, that night. But the reason I say it was kind of the acoustic version of of um, Sick Transit is because, in a way, I think Sick Transit also um, shows the, the sort of like absurd things that can happen when you get a group of guys together um, living in one space and what sort of comes with no real moral compass or no uh, idea of, 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 of leadership or what's going on. So. Yeah. And we had this, and basically, basically the same cash that we had for PKE came back and joined us for City Transit. So um, that's why it's kind of like the, the beginning stages of it. And while we were making PKE, John and I had begin, begun to conceptualize City Transit. So it was kind of in the back of our heads. Um, it also gave us the idea, filming-wise, that we wanted to use all artificial lighting, that we wanted to do long tracking shots and um, that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, that was sort of like the, the, begin, the beginning stages of it. Yeah. Um, so before we dive fully into that, because that's really what I want to yeah. talk about, because I want to learn more about it. Um, but in between that, you did another comedy feature, and you did like Goodbye Ohio. You did some short films. So just like briefly, let's go over some of the other stuff. Yeah. Because I want to cover everything you've done. So just kind of like yeah, yeah. Tell us. Well, the com- the comedy feature you're talking about, the Sparrow. The tale of a is it a tale or the tale? The, the, of a- the tale of the Sparrow, which is what. Which is John, which was actually John's first feature film that he made a few years ago, and that's when John started working with Jaga Lyric Theater Guild, who who premiered that for him, and who then ended up premiering Sick Transit for us and helping us do all of our casting. Um, he made Hill Sparrow, which was a straight comedy movie um, that I played a small part in, uh, and 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 that's that was a movie about a guy who decides. He's kind of bored in his in his small town and decides he wants to become a superhero. Um, ends up being one by causing all these crimes himself, and then 
um, and then saving the day. Um, so he's kind of like a liar in that aspect of it. So um, he, he ends up kind of learning a lesson through that, that, you know, you shouldn't lie to people and shouldn't do those sort of things. But that was, again, it was, it was like a straight comedy. So um, John didn't really have any, had, and neither did I really have any real experience working with like straight drama type stuff. Um, but that, that was Tell the Sparrow. And then the other one you mentioned, Goodbye Ohio, was a short that a friend of mine, Jess Smith, um, had written, um, who lives in California, that she wrote about an experience she had. And she sent that to me um, while I was at Kent State, I remember, because I remember reading the first script um, in my apartment there um, that she had wanted to make for a while. Uh, and and uh, she asked if I'd be interested in, in, in it. I said, yeah, this is before she had a director or had anything together for it. Mike Went, who you know, buddy, Cleveland director, ended up reading the script, really wanted to make it. Um, Jess said, yeah, I have a guy in mind for the, for the guy part. And I said, that's great, but I still want to see him audition. So I, had, I still had to audition for it, even though she had recommended me for it. So I had to send Mike Went an audition tape. Um, he ended up casting me in it. And then um, I, you, you guys all ended up getting a part, being able to work on the production as well. Yeah. We did that in Chagrin Falls. Um, so that was a short film about a girl who had sort of a shaky past with an ex-boyfriend who is planning on moving to New York and she wants to meet with him one last time to sort of have a conversation about where things went wrong and, and uh, where the future is going to be. Um, so that was, that was really great. Jess is an amazing writer and um, I was really happy to be a, a part of that one. And it was great. To, it was great because I still got to work with all you guys, got to meet Mike Wendt, who's also become a frequent collaborator with me. Um, got to work with Jesse, who we've continued to write together. So yeah, that's those are kind of the two uh, the two big things I think I'd say in between um, the Kent State stuff and and Sick Transit Gloria. Yeah, so yeah. I guess let's just dive right in. So you wrote the script for yeah. it as well as starring it. So tell us about all that. Yeah, I'll tell you about all that. <laughs> all of it. Well, Sick Transit was an idea that John came to me with and said that John and I, first of all, had been after we did PKE. Well, no, I'm sorry. Before PKE, we we just talked about wanting to make a first of all a feature film and um, write together, wanting to direct together, and what would we want to make? And we'd keep we would spitball a lot of ideas back and forth, but nothing really nothing really stuck. I mean, we'd out it always kind of seemed like one person was more committed to the idea than the other one, um, and so it, we never really they never really took off. One day, John came to me and said, I have an idea. Um, it would be called Rise of the Young, and it would be about just the world where only kids are left living, and they're kind of ruling the, you know, they've kind of taken over. Um, nobody has any idea what they're doing. There's no, like, like we said before, no real moral compass. They're just kind of free for all. And when he said that, it sort of sparked that, like my, my desire again to make that absurd fraternity movie. It, it kind of just had a, it, it sparked my brain that way. Um, and then that same day, I, for some reason, I had read a quote online which said, um, we're a generation who's, who's drowning in information but starving for wisdom. And I thought what he was explaining with this idea kind of went hand in hand with that quote. Um, so after he told me that, I, I told him I really did not like the title Rise of the Young at all, but I really liked the idea. So we sat there, I think, for a good hour and just discussed what that would look like and um, I made it very clear to him that I'd be so much more focused on who's living in that world um, and who the people are more so than I'd be focused on what the event had happened and why they're living that way. I, want, I really wanted it to be character focused. and I really wanted it to be theme focused. Um, so we discussed it for a long time. Um, we then decided let's start meeting up and putting this together. 
So I, I'd go to John's house, I think once or twice a week, and we'd sit in the basement and we would just get no cards together. We'd draw on a chalkboard. We'd map out all the characters and we map out what the world would look, look like. And we did that for weeks and weeks before we even started putting pen to paper and actually writing the script. Um, so, so it was a little bit different for me because when I've written scripts in the past, usually I kind of have take it but i don't really have every single thing figured out and we didn't really with this either but we did have a good idea of who's at least going to be existing in this world and where they are and all those kind of uh, big points figured out before we started writing um so once we had all that figured out um it was time to start actually like putting it all together and actually writing the script um so before we did that john and i put together a playlist of music which was really important for us that we thought related to the world we were trying to create um, and it was a bunch of different, we had like Radiohead on there and the national and, I know kid a specifically Radiohead was a huge, um, inspiration just in the way that it kind of talks about our world almost drowned out by technology. Um, and this, 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 how this information creates a false sense of confidence in people where they can start, um, taking over because they, they feel like they have everything at their fingertips and we thought that's kind of what these kids are thinking. Um, but we sort of, we just started writing and we, we just said, in John's basement or in John's room and just write for, for hours. And the script itself took about six months to create. And, you know, it was, it was really dark. It was really ambitious. Um, we, we would write it and with thinking like, okay, this has to be a long take. This has to be with all art. This has to be with all, you know, no artificial lighting. Everything has to be look real. And it seems so ambitious to the point that in the back of our minds while writing it, were at least for me, I won't speak for him. I was thinking, okay, we'll probably never actually make this. And, and the weird thing is, is having that mindset allowed you to write whatever you wanted to write. Because I'd never written something with the mindset of, I probably won't make it. I'm just going to write what I want to write. And, and so we did that. Um, and then we turned it in and, and, we, we, and, and we were finished with it. And we started submitting it to some people to look at and, and you know, some people whose opinions we trust started telling us, you know, I think you guys actually have something really good here. Um, as, as a piece of writing, it's really strong. Um, it'd be great if you guys started to make it. So... Um, John, from the beginning, uh, he had the director mindset of, I know how I'm going to shoot this. I know how it can be made, which I didn't have. I had never personally directed before, so I didn't understand, you know, all the bells and whistles there, but he did. Um, so John was the one who went to Lyric Theater and explained to them what, what we had and um, explained to them that he wanted to do some casting through them. And then at some point when it's all finished, premiered there and sort of make like a summer program out of it for their actors and they were totally on board with it in that way um so we were able to do all of our casting through through uh Lyric theater guild we held an open casting call the movie was like we said primarily young cast we had kids come out and read monologues and um, do scenes from the movie um we also had our cash that our cast that we tapped into from pke wanted to help out as well started putting that together um, the movie primarily takes place at a really rundown, disgusting house, sort of in the middle of nowhere. Um, it just so happens that John's girlfriend lives in Huntsburg, Ohio, which is kind of in the middle of nowhere, across the street from a really rundown house that was on hoarders. And she was like, guys, I think I have the perfect house for you. So John and I went and saw that house, and it was so disgusting. But we looked at it and like, this is actually perfect for our movie. We need to shoot here. So um, we ended up using that, using that house. We were able to, to get our cast to sort of take one week out of their summer to focus 100% on this movie. Um, so we got a lot of principal photography done in one week. Um, the rest of it we did kind of on weekends or nights and finished it off that way. Um, and then we ended up finishing it and, and premiering it at the uh, Jogalera Guild last Saturday, which was just a huge, 
huge triumph for the mountain we kind of climbed with it. So um, that was sort of the the steps, you know, around it. But um, but yeah, that's how, lo- that's, that's, how long did it take? Because like because you texted me at some point in December, like late, late November, you're like, "Hey, I just did a film. I'd love you for you to check it out or whatever." Yeah. And I thought I thought it was like a short, and then you send me yeah. this this private link. And yeah. I open it up. It's like an hour and fifty minutes. I was like, "What the hell?" I was like, "You shot a feature?" <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that was one thing John wanted to keep it quiet too. He wanted it almost to be a secret because when he made the Sparrow, um, he noticed that once he kind of promoted the fact that he was making a movie, expectations sort of really um, kind of was a weight on him, and they all, everyone wanted to know when's it going to be finished. And with this, he wanted to be clear that he he was not going to release it until he knew it was finished. So it was almost helpful on his side to not have people know we were making it because that way no one's on his back about when we're going to get to see it. Kind of did. We kept it quiet. Um, But we did, we, I mean, it was probably a good between writing it and having a finished product, a good year and a half um, altogether. Um, Six months to write it, I'd say maybe three months of pre-production and then another three months of, of, uh, of editing and um, sorry, three months of writing or sorry, six months of writing, three months of probably shooting and then another three months of, of editing and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was quite the process, but, and being that we were filming it in kind of the middle of nowhere in Huntsburg, Ohio helped for us to keep it quiet too. Um, that you know, not many people out there really knew what we were doing or knew what we were up to. Um, then when it was finally done, John, um, wrote on the get, get the pics productions, Facebook page, you know, secretly we've been making this movie and here it is, here's a trailer for it. And I think it took a lot of people by surprise. I think they had the same reaction you did. Like I had no idea you guys were making a feature film, but uh, but yeah, it, it worked out well. What made you? Because I, the other script of yours I've read, "Tiny Vessels," is obviously named after the Dashboard Confessional song. Yeah. So I was wondering what made you pick the title for this one specifically. Uh, well, "Sick Transit Gloria" was a phrase we really liked. I mean, it, it it's Latin for "Thus passes the glory of the world." Um, we felt like this was definitely a movie about how glory was fleeting. Um, and, and you can definitely see that in the characters. Um, so we just, it, it, it's a phrase I've always liked and we've heard it in pop culture quite a bit. Um, but I felt like it was just really germane to this idea. Um, so it, 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 and it just kind of fit really well. I also, I liked the way that it kind of gave the movie more of an academic feel to it. Cause I think the script is definitely more focused on theme than it is on plot. Um, so if, if the title itself sort of draws in that kind of audience, then, then we're, we're happy to, to, to bring them in to see it. Um, so I just like, like I, it, it's a, it's a phrase you liked and we thought it fit really well. Um, so that's what, that's what it kind of, uh, that's what kind of was the focus for it. Um, like you said with Tiny Vessels though, primarily when I write things, usually I do use, um, either, a, either a popular phrase or a song title is usually what ends up being the title of, of the movie. Um, and that's just because I think that, you know, usually, usually there's certain songs or, or titles of other things that end up drawing inspiration from me to sit down and write something. Um, so by titling it that, it's almost like, you know, pointing at your influences and, and sort of saying this is what this is what kind of drew it out of me. And with this, it was it was honestly just the phrase um, that just kind of felt that felt right while we were writing. Are you saying it's just the phrase because it was just the phrase, or is it the brand new controversy? <laughs> Don't no want to comment. associate yourself. No. <laughs> <laughs> I will talk about. I will say one thing though. When that controversy came out, we did have a long discussion about changing the title, 
and we decided we ultimately decided against it because we knew that we knew, and I will not lie and say that that the brand new song was in the back of my head um, because the brand new song is a lot about losing innocence and that's a lot what the movie's about too so it definitely was you know definitely you know I definitely knew of it um, but it definitely wasn't the only reason that we called it that so we felt still comfortable keeping it that uh, keeping it what it was but the funny story was um, uh, my girlfriend uh, she has a relative who 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 knew when the movie came out, she texted Megan and said, Hey, Megan is, is the, is sick trends of Gloria based on the brand new song? And Megan just, Oh yeah, I think that was an influence when they're writing it. And her aunt just responds, Oh, so is the movie about rape? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, no, not at all. The losing of innocence, rape. I mean, yeah. come on. <laughs> yeah. As you know, as we both were big brand new fans, we obviously would know that song, but I would not say it was the only inspiration for it. Um, yeah, I, yeah I, all, I all I know about, about the film is what you've told me about, told me about it, about it obviously. Um, it sounds, it sounds very, different very different than most of the most stuff, of the stuff that, you've that you've done, done like actually, yeah. actually done. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I would definitely say that it is. Um, but I definitely say that on the, uh, sort of on a more human level with it, um, it's, it's, it's similar to, to some other things I've written because, and then that, that was the me, that was the person in me wanting to focus more on the characters than on the, the plot itself, which, which kills me. Like every time I describe the movie to somebody, the first word that jumps into my head was how do I explain it to them? And I always use the word apocalyptic, which I hate. I hate that word because it doesn't really reflect what the movie is. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Taking place at an apocalyptic time, but it's not at all about an apocalyptic event. It's about, it's about people living during this time what they would be doing and and what and you know what circumstances they're in and decisions they make um it's more it's like more like uh what's that uh, movie? What's that movie? it's more like children of men than it is this is the end exactly yes yeah. that's 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 totally right um and that and that's what i said from the beginning that's where we wanted to keep the focus because that's what interested us a lot more um was 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 that story than than as to what what would the event would be um so yeah so so on that level i mean all, all the stuff i've written in the past usually is about people and I think that even though this is on a, a grander scale, it's no different than that. I mean, it's it, the circumstances have changed, but it still very much is about the people uh, in the event. Um, was this the first time that you acted in something that you wrote, or because I I don't know if you because you didn't, uh, besides you didn't, you didn't write an episode a second time around, did you? No, I didn't. I didn't write an episode. No, the the only the only uh, the only exception would be Welcome to PKE, which was the forty-eight hour film that I wrote and also acted in. Um, this was the first time doing something this big, like a feature, acting in a feature I had written. Um, What's that like? Good. I mean, it, it, it was good, uh, A, because I knew that my role on set was going to be more than just acting. Um, I, it was important to me that I, I worked with the actors really well, too, to help them understand their characters. So um, we, we made, a, we made a, a very detailed backstory for each of our main characters to give them um, so they knew. And then I had just really... Um, long discussions with each person about who their character was, where they had come from, what their motivations were, um, and then help them to sort of creatively figure out their own ideas for their characters too. Um, but what helped with that was me being in the movie. I, I you know, me, I, I'm part of this world with them now. I'm, I'm actually acting with them. They see me on set every day um, uh, as part of it. So I think that that helped in that aspect of it. Um, and then just as an actor getting into character, I mean, if, if you've written a character out and you've written a movie i mean you're already really in that headspace so in that regard i think it helped a great deal to to have written it and then to act in it 
Um, I didn't know I was going to be acting in it. Um, when, when I, when I wrote it, it, we definitely didn't have that in mind. Um, once it was finished, I got the call from John saying, Hey, I'd like you to play Jonas, this main character. And that, that was totally his call. Um, we had already auditioned for that role and everything. And, and once he said that, I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely be happy to do it. Um, but I definitely think that it, it, you know, acting, acting something you've written, I'd say is, is definitely an advantage to it as, as opposed to a disadvantage because you, you understand the world really well and you understand your character very well. Do you have anything to add about this film? Because uh, no, I'm as clueless as you about yeah. it. I haven't seen it. so I don't think you're as clueless as me, but yeah. maybe close. <laughs> so, like, you'd heard of it before. Today, you just it. walked right up to me and like, all right, so we got this, uh, we got my friend from school, and he just directed this movie. Well, he wrote this movie. Wrote the movie. And I'm just like, oh, okay. I never. Yeah. It. So, yeah. <laughs> You knew more from you knew more about it than me, based specifically on that you were friends yes. with the writer. Yes. Yeah. Okay, makes sense. Yes. I hope you both check it out now that you have the. Uh, yes. Buddy, there may be some changes made even since I sent you that, that really? link. Or actually, so um, if you guys do get a chance to to watch it, well, I will be know. watching it. I'm contractually required to watch it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Um, is it going to be on Letterboxd so, so I can get my defining <laughs> rating? <laughs> um, actually, it's not, we hadn't even discussed that, but that's not a bad idea. Um, right now, we, we, uh, we're it submitting it to have an, It doesn't even have an IMDb yet. I was, oh, I was, because nice. when, when I was at work today, I was like on IMDb, I was like, all right, do they have like trivia on here or anything? Not even, yeah. page doesn't even not exist. Not Not yet. So we're working on that. Right now we're submitting it to festivals. Um, as you know, we have the encore showing on Sunday, January 21st. Um, and then we'll kind of see where it goes from there. But um, eventually we'll we'll get some DVDs made and all that good stuff. But uh, right now we just kind of want to see uh, it's it's got it's it's been received very well. We've gotten we, we did some test screenings for some filmmakers we knew, um, some people whose opinions we just trusted and and the feedback we've gotten has all been positive. So we've been really happy with that. Uh, we just kind of want to see where it goes with the festival circuit and see how people keep uh, approaching it and you know, see what kind of life it has. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Mm-hmm. So what's, uh, what's next on the horizon there? Um, well, our composer, <coughs> our composer for sick transit Gloria, um, Andrew Kotlar wrote a short film titled a walk in the Valley, which we just met and discussed the other day. And we're going to be this weekend. So, um, that'll be the next, the next thing going on. Um, on top of that, uh, Jess Smith and I wrote a script a long time ago called Porcupine, which we've been trying to get made for a while. And I know uh, we've been talking to Mike Went about it and having those discussions and maybe sometime on the horizon that'll get done. Um, but those are kind of the two things that, that we're working on right now. So we'll see what, what happens with those. Cool, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, before we close things out, there is one more thing I wanted to ask you about. One of your other legacies besides the acting and writing and all that um you orchestrated a pretty large prank on one of your friends a few years ago yeah i think i i, I probably shouldn't use his name because he actually hates those videos more than you <laughs> i was telling him about it before we started rolling <laughs> that's pretty elaborate had, honestly the start of it was i had a friend who said that had um, or have i do i, ha- I have a, he's a, a very good friend known since i was little um, who one day was talking and he mentioned how he, he thought Taylor Swift was the most beautiful woman in the world. 
and you know when he made that statement it just kind of prompted me to like want to keep you know pushing and seeing how far he'd go with that statement so i was like i was like oh so you would date taylor swift no matter what and he goes yeah no matter what and i'm like well i'm like would you date her even if she made you wear a dress all the time and he goes he thinks about it he's like yeah i think i still would and i'm like well you know taylor swift is notorious for writing songs about guys after she breaks up with them so what if she wrote a song after she made you wear a dress all these years she writes a song about you and she calls it boy in a dress and i'm like would you be okay with that he's like yeah i'd probably still be worth it so then i told buddy that I, and for some reason i just that was like amazing to me that he said that so i went to so i i made a video the next day of me with a guitar in my hands just strumming it um saying hey this is a song called boy in a dress like this is the song taylor swift would make and just strumming it and making like bs lyrics and then i sent that to him and he was like all right that's funny whatever and then i showed buddy that video i'm like yeah this is a video i did and i told buddy the whole story and then we'd like we gotta make more of these so we started going to like all these different people and saying like hey could you just make a quick video called boy in a dress and like sing <laughs> something people are like what <laughs> yeah. and we just like we kept asking people and we might we ended up making 65 of these videos that we would send to this guy every single morning, uh, every day of a new video of somebody new saying, Hey, this is boy in a dress part, whatever. And I, <laughs> and do a little something for him. So somewhere I have stored, I think it's on an old computer, 65 videos, but that, I think that project more than anything else I've done was, was really what I'm most proud of. Is the boy. <laughs> I, I think the, the main ones I that thought got- what you were most proud of was a documentary that never got made. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is the second most. <laughs> I think the most notable ones I remember are obviously Caleb on the drums freestyle. Yes, that was great. And I remember all the, for some reason, the ones that I got my friends to do, like they took it really seriously. Like I remember all the ones that the the heel recorded were like actual songs about the boy in the dress. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Keegan made a great song. You had a friend who did like a whole guitar solo and everything. And it was, people got pretty elaborate with it. Yeah. And then uh, Steve Spencer did the guitar solo, not Ricky. Ricky was not on board for this. Okay. <laughs> but um, I'm ch- uh, I remember Anna Eliopoulos. Party pooper. Yeah, no, yeah, Ricky sucks. <laughs> but I remember like you would just go up to people like, hey, Anna, uh, I need you to make a video saying this is a boy in a dress and then sing a song. And then you just like start recording her. And she's like, this is the boy in the dress. <laughs> and then you just like stop the video. You're like, that's fine. And you just like send it. <laughs> You, you you didn't want to give anybody too much time to think about it because then they'd be like, why am I doing this? What is the point of it? You just wanted to do it really quick. Tell them what it is and then quickly get the video. But it worked. We got 65 of them. And then I told, I remember telling my friend one time that I was going to try to bring it back. And he's like, no, you cannot. Promise me you will not do that. Like, he, was, he was so adamantly against them. Because <laughs> that was like two months like of your I life. Like... It was two months of work. It was totally worth it too. I'm telling um... you, one of I still want to get to 100. Even if we just yeah. made enough, you know, to get to 100, I'd be happy. I remember Bobby's was good as well because he was just singing Taylor Swift. He's like, baby, just say yes. <laughs> like, that was that probably is... my favorite one. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really good one, actually. Yeah, he sent me the guitar. I got I to gotta find him. I'll send him to you if I can find him. <laughs> There's like, somewhere. Like I said, we, we can edit the name of the friend out, but that would be a hell of a YouTube compilation. <laughs> I know. I know. We'll look into it. I, yeah. I might just, I might, I might just accidentally put them on YouTube and tell them they got leaked or something. <laughs> <laughs> the press got a hold of it. <laughs> the press got a hold of it. What are you gonna do? They're already there. <laughs> well, that's all I had on my agenda to talk about. Did, 
you have any other questions? No, for I'm Jeff? just first now, just now meeting you. So I mean, yeah, it's great meeting. Nice meeting you. I know I didn't talk yeah. much. Listening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He's a good listener. <laughs> I'm a fantastic listener. Um, and uh, I'm gonna check out. So I'm definitely gonna check out was second time around because yeah. that sounds really interesting to me. Oh, and, fun fact about that: we share the screen together in that for a couple. We do, yeah. And mm-hmm. we we I don't a quote unquote fight sequence. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Sort of. But he holds he holds a knife. He holds a knife in one scene. Oh yeah. man. So this is interesting. Yeah, All I think right. you'll get a kick out of it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was great talking to you. I hope to see you soon. Sounds um, good. Yeah, because we text. You still you. have a script to. We still have a script to do. Yeah. Yeah. Still, yeah. yeah. Take another look, because I think we got to dive into that pretty soon. Yeah. And it's not going to be like every other time. We're like, he'll text me, like, hey, man, we should hang out. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. And then, like, six months go by. And <laughs> six months so go by, and now you're off. on the fucking shitty podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys for having me, really. This oh, was, this of was course. Great. Yeah, and next time you're doing something big, come on again, and it'll be awesome. So, yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah, and, yeah, this is... This is it. This is Buddy the Bruiser signing off. Dynamite Jared signing off. Thanks, guys.